Welcome back to another exciting edition of your favorite podcast. Hindsight is horrifying. The Christmas editions. La, 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 la. I am an host, Jason Mitchell. <laughs> I and... hate it when you do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the other host, <laughs> Darth Jader. And we are tonight going back down the Christmas rabbit hole with uh, one of... I think you mean the Christmas reindeer hole. <laughs> Reindeers don't dig holes, do they? I don't know. <laughs> That's stupid. <laughs> Just thought it was fitting. Stop being dumb. It's getting weird already. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Anyway. It don't take long to get weird anymore. We're doing Home Alone. Yay! <laughs> one, of, one, of the, uh, one of everybody's favorite holiday movies. And if uh, it's not, far. then you're a communist. Yeah, I don't know anyone who just doesn't like this movie a lot. I've never met anyone who hates the movie. Uh, if you hate this movie, please drop us a line. Let us know. We'd like to get your, uh, you know, opinion on this and other things. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we we, I wouldn't. We yeah. love well, we don't really, we, don't, we don't really care, but, you know. We handle adverse opinions so well on this show. But we'd love to argue. But, uh, Darth, uh, why don't you tell us who's in the audience tonight? Yes, we hear her melodious tones in the corner. You know her and love her from the Princess Bride episode, Hindsiders. My friend Cece is back with us in the studio. Hello, hello. All right, calm down, guys. Calm down. Take it easy. All right. right. We know it's exciting. Loving the new effects. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Shh. I thought it was real audience. (laughs) That seems to be about the only one that we use. Uh, no, we use the want wah. Oh, that's true. We do, yeah, yeah, we do that sometimes. And you, you put the crickets on me whenever you're tired of listening to me. And I always, about I always Delaney. forget which one is the uh, rim shot, and so I end up doing that <laughs> <laughs> whenever I mean to which, do that. Which is so fitting for you know the holiday episodes. <laughs> creepy background just, music. I'm imagining the audience listening to us now, going, "Okay, come on." All right, get to the point. Get to the point. Throw the ring into Mordor, guys. Let's go. Uh, so. f- full disclosure: I did not have time to do uh, the. Do diligence that I normally do in these movies. Oh, please. I take oh. all the notes for the show and you know it. You know, all I'll be able to do is talk about Macaulay Culkin and how he's still out there. He's, he's around. He's uh, he's actually uh, the guys at Red Letter Media. Uh, he has guest starred on numerous of their um, of their programs. Along with the Joe Rogan Project. So, yeah, he's done podcasts. Mm, yeah. He's he's out there in uh, several mediums these days. So, yeah. yeah he, well, he did, what was it, uh, for Allstate? I think he did, like, a spoof of Home Alone. Yes, he uh, did. Yeah, where he, it was, like, yeah. what Home Alone would look like now that he's, what, yeah. 30-something or That's whatever. That's right. I uh-huh. totally forgot about that. Yeah. I think, Absolutely. well, no, he's in his early 60s now. Okay. <laughs> well, uh-huh. when they did those commercials. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, plus, I think he was playing a bit of a younger age, which yeah, happens. that is true. Because he's always played young age but let's talk about the worst parents in the history of cinema (laughs) well let's let's fill some people in since this movie is all the way back from 1990 some of our younger listeners might not know it so well so hindsighters in case you're not familiar the basic synopsis of home alone is when bratty eight-year-old kevin McAllister, macaulay culkin acts out the night before a family trip to paris his mother Catherine o'hara makes him sleep in the attic after the McAllisters mistakenly which, leave, which, right there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, it's a bedroom. There's a there, there's lighting. There's a whole bed. We'll get to it. So she makes him sleep in the attic. Catherine O'Hara. You can say the same thing about the guy that stuck the girl in his basement. Just for let like me tell her what years. the damn movie's there was about. Good lighting. There was a light in there. <laughs> What's the problem? There was light creeping in from under the door. Uh, after the McAllisters mistakenly leave for the airport without Kevin, he awakens to an empty house and assumes 
his wish to have no family has come true. Uh, but his excitement is short-lived when he realizes that he has to pretty much adult by himself as an eight-year-old. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So. Yeah, and, and he. Oh, he, and there's Karen. Karen Culkin. Yep, yeah, we just well, passed him. He he is <laughs> he he's very uh, poorly served by his parents and also by the police department, which is <laughs> genuinely terrible. Well, um, there is a fake policeman uh, in his house, and none of the adults. This is what kills me in the beginning of the movie. So you've got about 15 people. Uh, the the parents have the um, the dad's brothers in town with his wife and family, and somehow two sets of parents add up to like 12 children. Yeah, they yes. had a lot of kids. Yeah, well, they're a good Catholic family. I get. Yes, they are. You do see uh, Kevin cross himself later before he eats his macaroni and cheese. Yeah. So that's true. But. Yeah, so Kevin's running around, and he's trying to get his mom's attention. She's on the phone, and uh, Jason and I were debating this a little bit before you got here, Cece, the fact that Jason thinks that the McAllister parents are just horrible to Kevin. And I was like, I don't know. My dad was pretty strict about the phone rule growing up. If he was on the phone and I interrupted him the way Kevin interrupted his mom, I got the look of death. It was pretty serious. So first of all, let me say, this is my future eight-year-old right here. Oh, yeah. This is my kid. Lucius? Ho- yeah. Ho- hopefully <laughs> hopefully not your future 20-year-old. Hopefully not, but <laughs> yeah. snotty, uh, way too clever for his own good. <laughs> I can uh, already see it. No amount of discipline, does anything. Do you uh, have a fin- <laughs> Do you have a finished attic? <laughs> no, I do not. Well, then you're perfect then. However. You could be a uh, really mean mom I and put I kind of wish I did. <laughs> I did have an attic with good lightning where I could put him. Lightning? Oh my. That sounds like <laughs> severe punishment. Lighting, lighting. But well, uh, speaking of your kids, Cece, uh, I know some of your reasons behind picking the movie, but our listeners do not. So what is it that made you request this special movie for this episode? So this movie, in my house, we watch this movie year round. This is my... This was one of my favorites growing up, but then this is my son Xavier's absolute favorite movie. Um, Not the ruckus eight-year-old potential no, child. My this oldest is her older son, child, yeah. Who, it, we watch it when someone's sick. We watch it when someone's had a bad day. It's just one of those comforting movies that you know every scene at and every funerals, line. At funerals, um, <laughs> at... At bar mitzvahs. Yes, when sentencing hearings. Yes, you know, pretty much. <laughs> right. And... Um, and Oh, you know, always makes you feel better after. It's one of those, you know, feel good movies. Ultimately, yeah. The beginning, though, I can see is kind of cold where, uh, especially the scene that we're here right now where Kevin has created a ruckus in his house. He's Mm. mad that the adults for, and they're trying to organize this very stressful trip for 15 people. Yeah. Mistake number one. Yeah. To (laughs) To all get on the same flight to Paris, which... Why are you traveling together? And Josh yeah. and I were in Paris last year. It's a nine and a half hour flight. Right. It's a well, long and I love trip. That, I love that they're up in business class and they stuck all the kids in the back. Oh, I couldn't only get in away the 90s. With, there is no way I could get away with that with my kids. Yeah, only in the nineties. <laughs> he, he would be. We the the plane would be diverted to another location. I can. That's how that would end up. Well, there would be. <laughs> you know, there would be. A you couple. know those YouTube videos where the woman's like running up and down the aisle screaming. Uh-huh. That would be my kid. <laughs> <laughs> They got away with they got away with so many different things back in the nineties. You know when some of us were you know watching this. I just took everything for granted when I first watched this movie. Like, oh yeah, my parents would be like, you sit in this seat. If an adult tells you to do something, you do it. You mind your manners. Just sit here for the entire flight. There's the bathroom. Behave, and then maybe they would have sat me up and coached. But like, Jane, you're a special kid. Just like just like my oldest. My but. 
Oh, the, oh don't they would know. have trusted me to do that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. You don't know. I didn't know. No, but like parents, parents these days would never sit in a completely different section from their their kids. If, no, it's true. Yeah, no, like not, it's just I, I don't, I don't know if they would. I don't actually know if the airlines would let you do that. I don't think anymore, they would. No, you know, um, but they did. To be fair, they did, and that's where part of the problem occurs. So we have this <laughs> imperfect set of, of circumstances where Kevin has it out with his mom. He's misbehaving. He's being a bit of a brat. Mm-hmm. But she puts him up in the attic and. He's like, I wish I didn't have a family. And she's like, well, maybe ask for Santa for that. And maybe it'll come true, you know? And he says it again and says, I wish I could never see any of you again. And they they have it out pretty hard. It's a pretty serious conversation. Well, this was the movie, you know, because um, I know you're, Darth, your favorite part of the show is whenever I talk about characters being supernatural beings. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, this was actually the movie that sort this of got started that started. That off. Yeah. yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'm going to allow it. Yeah, well, and what's interesting is that watching it again... Um, because the whole the whole theory is that the the old man who lives next door is actually old man Marley. A, old, old man Marley um, is a supernatural being, and that he's actually responsible for all of the things that happen. I'm not but, even rolling but, my eyes. But when you watch it, and you watch the the sequence uh, between when he wishes that his family that he didn't have a family, and when they wake up the next morning, it's a horror movie sequence a little with the bit. wind kicking up and blowing the the christmas bows off and the the close up of santa claus's face and the wreath and it looks all creepy mm-hmm. and there you know it's like it's like something magical happened the power going out the uh, power going out which yeah, triggers the yeah. alarm clock not to go off so the yeah. family sleeps in so they're in a rush to get yeah. to the airport and it's just this set of imperfect circumstances that lines up perfectly for them to abandon their young one of their yeah. youngest children at their home for the which, holidays which there is precedent for that and my mom uh will be very happy that i'm sharing the story um <laughs> my my mother uh comes from a family of five five children <clears throat> and oh, same with my dad and well they went on um uh, a road trip you know the classic 1950s pack everybody station up wagon the with, the, with yeah. the paneling around it well my uncle was uh he was uh, a baby when they went on this trip and there was actually a point uh, where they woke up one morning, and I think they were running late, and they loaded up the station wagon, and they get everybody in, and they leave the hotel, oh, no. <laughs> and they completely forgotten the baby in the hotel room. Oh dear God! He must have been being very quiet that morning. That's he's all a, I he's can a pretty say. he's a pretty relaxed. He's a chill guy, you know. Uh, but, Learned to be self reliant at they, a very but, young age. And I asked, I said, had the wheels in the car? St- and yeah, there was motion. The car was moving. Oh my God! Before somebody went. Where's the baby at? Well, at least they're not like <laughs> miles and miles away like Kevin's mom, who doesn't realize until mid-flight to Paris that she left her youngest right. child at home. That's just insane to me. But Well, they do a head count, and yeah. the neighbor's kid is rummaging around in the van. Which is so funny, because I... I Got, I was a little surprised because the kid, I haven't watched this movie in a few years, and the kid just comes up to bother the airport shuttle driver, and he's like, hey, I'm Mitch Murphy, I'm the neighbor kid, blah, blah, blah. How many miles per gallon does this van get? Just asking him the most random questions possible. But uh, I actually had a boyfriend in college of the exact same name, so that surprised <laughs> me a little bit. I was like, oh, okay. Hmm. Uh, shout out. But uh, yeah, so like I said, it's just a bunch of things that line up, and they do have the oldest child, do a head count, like you said, Cece, and mm-hmm. along with the power going out and every all the chaos that happens, and Mitch is there, and you know he he's the same size and build as Kevin, so she's like, okay, there's Kevin, she's got him, all right, sounds good. And the mom, Catherine O'Hara, turns around, she's like, did you get everybody? 
She goes, oh yeah, six kids, five boys, and a partridge in a pear tree, or whatever she says to her mom to be a smart aleck. But, you know, the oldest kid took the head count. And back in the 90s, that would have been legit. If the oh, oldest yeah. kid was trusted with that, yeah, it was it was her responsibility to make yeah. all the make sure all the kids were in the damn cars. Right, yeah. And obviously, they're in a hurry. If she'd had time, she probably she's a somebody who probably would have done it herself. Let me check all of this, but they're oh, on their way to the airport when they're right. doing this. And plus, they've had a chaotic night with Kevin pushing his brother Buzz and spilling milk on all their passports and just causing general chaos. However, I will note the uncle in this. Is, is a total such tool. a jerk. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's he a complete has this asshole. Line, he has Uncle this Frank. line when that happens, Uncle Frank. Look what you did, you little jerk. And I always make a point mm-hmm. to my kids. I would never let anyone say that to you. I wouldn't either. Because <laughs> they always look so shocked. Right. <gasps> the like, only, the like, only person who says that to you is me. <laughs> <laughs> you little jerk. Like, I've earned the privilege. That would never happen. But Frank is kind of a tool throughout anyway, because even when they do discover that they've left Kevin at the house, the mom is freaking out. She's like, oh, my God, I'm the worst mother ever. And she's having like a panic attack. Yes, yes, you are. But but Frank is sitting there like, oh, it's horrible. Just horrible. I once lost my reading glasses. Yeah, he's (laughs) like, if it makes you feel any better, I forgot my reading glasses. Thanks, Frank. That's super (laughs) helpful. Yeah, and it is amazing, though, I mean, this, granted, this was a while ago, but it wasn't that, I mean, you know, this movie wasn't made, you know, 70 years ago. Right. But you look at the difficulty they have in getting in touch with oh, back God. home. Because that's oh, another yeah. one of the things that the stars aligned on is that uh, even the power line guy is like, oh, hey, Mrs. McAllister, your power's back up. You, the, you know, the electricity's working in the house, but the phones are going to be down for a few days. It, everything right. just lines up perfectly. Something that would never happen no, now. No, <laughs> no. And not with cell phones, like as long as there's power power you're pretty much good to go but i don't know and just yeah the incredible difficulty they have getting in touch with their neighbors because their neighbors don't have cell phones because it's 1990 they're calling answering machines yes yep hey uh jerry looking out for you your ex-girlfriend's boyfriend's trying to kill you oh this is the voicemail shop jerry we know people just use those for exposition at this point (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) for all our rick and morty (laughs) people out there yeah he even goes downstairs to the kitchen and turns on the tv like like you know, probably he probably does every morning. And the TV is this little, tiny little TV it's with this the built-in like in, the built in a VHS player, yep. you know, like in the kitchen when everyone had and, a TV in the kitchen. Yep. And you all had to see it from 15 feet away from the dining room table. And somehow we could all see the screen back then because, you know, that's what you had. Like, well, you didn't know you any better. No, yeah, exactly. You did, yeah, you didn't know any better. You know, when you were a kid, like there was that one family that had the the... Well, at least I know for my generation, there was like the one family you knew who had the proto big screen TV, mm-hmm. and it was like a massive thing with the worst picture that you've ever <laughs> it seen. It was so pixelated because everything was so stretched out. It, well, like it was, it, yeah, I mean, it was like rear projection and front projection and all this crap, and it's like, how much money did you spend on this pile of crap? Oh, you know? Jason, I've got to interrupt you right here because this part of the movie reminds me of your son, David. Uh, when Kevin goes down into the basement mm. and he's scared of the furnace because your kid specifically asked you that time. He's like, Dad, why are basements, yeah, why so, are basements scary? so scary? And I was like, because of the furnace and Home Alone. Yeah. <laughs> That's why. It helps. But this ba- this furnace reminds me kind of of the stove in Beauty and the Beast, Cece. I know what you, you know what I'm talking about where yes. the, he's like spewing fire and scaring Gaston and all the people storming the castle. But the furnace scared me when I was a kid too, I gotta say. Yeah, I don't know if I'd want to have a furnace like that in my basement. That just looks like the sort of thing that would blow up and burn your house down. Yeah, precisely. Um, the beauty of an old house, you know. Yeah, and it is, a, it, I mean, the house. Is gorgeous. Yeah, let's let's talk about the you house. You can see why the wet bandits are casing it. Yeah. It's like the governor's mansion, basically. Yeah, it is absolutely <laughs> beautiful. 
Um, and apparently it is quite the tourist attraction. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, oh, really? In yeah. real life, yes. Well, you think about it. I mean, you could go on a tour of Christmas houses. You know, you can you could go see this house. You can go see the Lethal Weapon house, uh, <laughs> which is right next door. All on the WB lot. Yeah. Uh, well, the Lethal Weapon house is next door to the Griswolds house mm-hmm. in Christmas Vacation. I was going to bring that but, up, but we've yeah. ended up recording these out of order. Yes, yeah. uh, I did read that in my Christmas Vacation research. And you can go to the uh, <laughs> A Christmas Story house. You know, that that's, yep. open, that's open for business That's now. a real place uh, where one of the kids from Christmas Story is... Yeah. Wasn't he working yeah. there or yeah. something? You can at some stay point? the night there, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he does tours. Like the Disney Castle. Yeah. My God. <laughs> That's the dream. It's totally better than the Disney Castle. In Absolutely my book. it is. <laughs> well, you're you're the Christmas queen, so that makes total sense. And that that's one of the many reasons why we have Cece back in the studio, Hindsiders, because she is literally the queen of Christmas. The first Christmas party that I ever got to attend at her house, she was basically in a Dr. Seuss dress. And it was fantastic. It was so Christmas. She, it was like she lived in Whoville. It we was had fantastic. a uh, snow bubble machine made yes. bubble snow. Yes, you yeah. did. I remember that. And I was like, I feel lame just in my stupid Christmas <laughs> sweater. I did not kick it up a notch. You know, it is amazing to watch this and think um, this movie made almost half a billion dollars. Yes, it holds many, yeah. many records, actually. And it explains why they made sequels, which. Yes. Mm, well, it leads I, into a we lot do of enjoy Home Alone two in my house. Two, However, two is okay. I yeah. I have I have blocked the third one out of my memory. I'm sure I've seen it at some point. I don't even know what the plot. I don't of the even third recall. Is. No, I. It's is it's it, not worth remembering? Because I mean, after a while, it becomes like it's a different. It's they keep obviously leaving a the same kid. kid in different locations. Well, <laughs> it, it's 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 him in the sequel. It's still Macaulay Culkin yes, in the sequel, but, but he's gone after that. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wisely, but isn't yeah. it still? Kevin or what, like is it still I thought, same I thought one of them it, it, it no ended idea. up where it was like a girl and it, no, no it's idea. like totally I know, it's I know totally President unrelated. Trump is in one of them he's in the second one yeah the second because it's yeah. in New York okay so yeah. that would make sense yeah. given the timeline yeah because yes. I know that Kevin, one just as well so yeah. next Fair year enough. yeah next year when we do Home Alone too. But yeah, this movie broke so many records uh in its opening weekend you're right Jason it made uh like 17 billion dollars <laughs> something crazy like that yeah. in 1990 imagine that. 17 million sorry it, it, this it, is that um, was like that this is pre-doctor evil we so. could mention also that this is directed by chris columbus the director yeah. of the first and, two harry potter movies yep, and written yep. by john hughes yep yep, yep. yeah so. and john williams did the, did the music. music yes so yeah. we got two Recipe harry potter for success there. absolutely yeah. you do yeah and it is uh, the music in this does actually play a fairly important role towards the end it, it does. absolutely you know, the, the, especially in the church it, uh, I'm, i i think it is important to throughout. the movie all the way yeah. through the the uh scene where they're all rushing around trying to get to the airport mm-hmm. yeah it's it seems like you're listening to the nutcracker but yeah. that's john williams oh it is and he's john williams. he's one of the few people i know who could actually take christmas music and alter it and improve it yeah. Like he he sort of put his own spin on Christmas to his own composed music in this movie and you just hear his personality in every single note. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh, and we're we're at a very important part of the movie right now. So when Kevin first realizes that his family is gone in his little 8-year-old naivete, he thinks, "Oh, my wish for my family to disappear really happened." And at first he's like, "Oh, I made my family disappear." But then 2 seconds later he's like, "I made my family disappear." And he's all excited about it. 
He's, he, can, he can eat junk food and watch whatever movie yeah, you what want. Yeah, what every eight-year-old would do, run through the halls, yeah. being yeah. as loud as they can, making a huge mess. And he's being such a little jerk about it, to be honest, because he's like, hey, Buzz, I'm going through your private collection of nudie magazines. Better come out and pound me. <laughs> like, well, the funny just... thing is, I, it's it's like you... he almost thinks it's still a joke. Like, yeah. it, didn't, it can't possibly be The reality be real. hasn't yeah. set in until he watches... I know you know the name of this movie. Angels with Filthy Souls. Yes. <laughs> the iconic gangster movie he yeah. he watches. Keep uh, the change, you filthy animal. Well, and it's it's interesting that he doesn't go outside to see if everyone else is gone. No, right he, away. Do, he, do, he, he does he go do outside at first because he see, And this was very logical. And throughout the movie, he's this incredibly self-sufficient organized eight-year-old that one of the first because if i was his age i would have been afraid to go outside with no signs of life anywhere in my house when previously there were like 20 people there right yeah. but kevin runs into the driveway and he's like well the cars are still here clearly they didn't go to the airport and my little eight-year-old brain would never piece that together i would have yeah. been too worried and too scared about what was going on with my family yeah ditto yeah. this this kid is super super clever he and is totally underestimated and underappreciated it's almost like it's almost like Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes came to life. Yeah. Minus the stuffed tiger. Because of all the little different things that he does and he takes advantage of like sledding down the stairs in his toboggan and watching all these crazy movies and eating all the junk food in the house. This, and... That's why this is my kid. <laughs> I can, honestly, I can see it. I, I know her He'd little boy. He'd be super goes excited. And, I can but do whatever see, but that, I want. But that's the difference though. If they made this movie today and it was realistic, the kid would go, yes, I've got the whole house to myself and sit on the couch and play video games. And the whole house is self-sustaining. <laughs> yeah. The mom has the fridge stocked and he doesn't. Because yeah. in this in this story, like Kevin goes, he takes himself to the grocery store. He runs errands. He does laundry. It's so, cr- I know tw- men in their 20s who don't know how to right. do their own laundry. <laughs> well, it, the captain is doing everything he can. Your phones are still out. Could you maybe call someone in authority in the town, for God's sake? Which, you know, as a I mean, pilot, he would have priority clearance for something like that. So he's going to get through. Or, or he could call, you know, like, hey, uh, you know, O'Hare Airport. Yeah. This is the pilot. Hey, here's the situation, guys. It's Get obviously a bigger yeah. deal to them than it is to anyone else. <laughs> yeah, no, everyone's you know. like, okay. Your kid's right. at home? All right, there's not a whole lot we can do. And I love the amount of, sorry, there's nothing we can do about yeah. this. Like from every other, because these days, if you told somebody that their kid was missing, you know, people are going to go out of their way to help you, especially if they're in any position of authority. Yeah. Oh, well, let me get so-and-so on the phone. Let me try this. But no, it's like all on the parents trying to track down yeah. where their poor kid is. Yeah. That's nuts. Well, and that, you know, uh, there's so many theories about how you make this movie make sense. You know, yeah, you've um, got to wedge use in your imagination, yeah. you know, <laughs> kind like, of like, like a horror movie where if people acted the logical way, there well, wouldn't be a story. Well, there's, there's one theory that the plane actually crashed. Oh God! And that <laughs> another and conspiracy. That, no, is that the plane? The plane crashed, and <laughs> the reason that everything is so absurdly obstructing uh, to to them trying to check on their kid is because their the mom is in purgatory, and she has <laughs> so to make it right. Wow, yeah. that is just yeah. way too much. Yeah, that's deep. She has to make it right. That's profound. Yeah, and then it ends up being that finally John Candy is like an angel, and you know, it's like okay. And speaking of John Candy, did you know his character in this movie is based off his character from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? Oh, is is, is it supposed to be the same character? Uh, based off, at the oh. very least. Uh, yeah, and plus, without John Candy, without Uncle I Buck, like that. this movie would not have been made. 
like Uncle Buck was there because uh, Macaulay Culkin was the that was his first exposure to uh, Chris Columbus. Chris Columbus saw Macaulay Culkin, and the part for Home Alone was written for Macaulay Culkin. Now that being said, they still auditioned like over a hundred kids to be Kevin McAllister. Well, because everyone's got an interview. <laughs> we know that. Now he had something. He had some stuff going for him. You know, he had worked with Chris Columbus in the past. Um, you have you have that advantage, Jason. Yes, yes. You sure he do. had that advantage. Um. So, <laughs> listeners, we're not bitter about personal matters at all. Don't no, worry no, about no. it. <laughs> this has nothing to do with any of you. <laughs> But yeah, so but yeah, uh, John Candy does actually play a bit of a role because without Uncle Buck, this movie probably wouldn't have happened. Yeah, because good, good old uh, John Candy. Yeah, because Macaulay Culkin was his nephew in Uncle Buck, where they made the huge pancakes. <laughs> you know, you know, one thing though, when I watch this movie, is it does make me miss Daniel Stern. Because yes. Daniel Stern really hasn't done that much. I mean, he's been you know he has a career, he's done stuff. Remind know. me who is that Marv. Uh, that yeah, the other Mar- the, the tall o- yeah, the other so, Mar- yeah, Harry's yeah. Joe Pesci, yeah. and then Marv. Okay, is uh, Stern. Okay. Joe, Joe Pesci, who the entire movie they had to keep telling him not to say the word fuck. Yeah, <laughs> and Joe Pesci was a bit of a creeper uh, as far as like he went really method with Macaulay Culkin on this whole deal. He didn't want to meet Macaulay Culkin before they started filming together because he wanted to be able to legitimately intimidate him in their scenes where well, he's trying to scare him and torture him and stuff. I gotta say, uh, of the serious actors who have taken a role in this kind of children's slash Christmas themed movie, mm-hmm. he's he like hit the nail on the success. Oh here. Yeah, yeah, he completely. Unlike Arnold Schwarzenegger or you tough know, guys of the past who have tried to be in family Christmas movies after yeah. a serious career. Yeah, pe- people don't remember. You know, Joe Pesci. You know, we all think of him. I think most people think of him as you know the tough gangster movie sort of character but i mean you know he was in my cousin Vinny, the yes. goodfellas genius well no i meant comedy roles oh, oh yeah okay. yeah Sorry. you know genius so in that role my, too. my cousin Vinny, the two of the lethal weapons or was he in he wasn't in the first one I, no he wasn't in the first was, one i know i know he, he was, was in, in at two least and two three. of them yeah um, and then there was that fourth one that nobody saw. Right. With like Jet Li was in it. Or well, something. and it's funny that Joe Pesci <laughs> got this because Robert De Niro turned down the part for Harry, actually. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably for the best. Yeah. I yeah. think Joe Pesci yeah. really just, just kills it in this role. It was perfect to the point where oh, when they hang Kevin up on the, the coat hanger at the end, apparently he actually bit Macaulay Culkin's finger and broke, broke his skin when he bit him. So wow, Macaulay Culkin's uh, got a bad run with a lot yeah. of adults in Hollywood, as it's much intense. as he will yeah. attest otherwise. He did conquer the F word, though, at the end with the swearing every time he gets hurt. He does do a pretty creative job of swearing, but not swearing. Yeah, well, yeah Chris Columbus he, wanted him to say the word fridge. Yeah, fridge. fridge yeah. yeah. <laughs> Friggin' fridge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and even Marv has a slip up uh, during the point when he loses his shoe through the doggy door toward the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was an actual slip up. It wasn't like a somewhat scripted thing. He he lost his shoe and he's like, oh, shit. And you can kind of hear it if you listen for it. But uh, they don't make a big deal out of it. They yeah. just rush right past it. And uh, I have to point this out because we're at the point where Kevin's mom is calling the local authorities just trying to get a cruiser to go past yeah. her house. And that's pretty standard, I would feel. But the cops are like, I'm sorry, 
You want us to go check on your eight-year-old who's stranded at your home by himself? They, they think she's making such a big deal out of it. But that is Mr. Heckles in the uh, yes. in the home department from Friends, the one who thinks that Rachel and Monica are always making noise. Oh. You're disturbing such my birds. A good, <laughs> such a good actor, like a bit actor. And this part is genius. Uh, how Larry he, Hankin. The donut, a pe- he's eating a donut and a piece it's of it just to, yeah, sticks, sticks to, to the, the phone, phone and yeah. just keeps going like... How how old were you when you first saw this movie? Uh, I definitely would have been single digits because it came out in 1990. Yeah, it was 90. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember. Were either of you born in 1990? <laughs> yeah, I was <laughs> okay. seven. Okay. All right. <laughs> so well, I he, was born in the 80s. So yes. here, here's the thing that, and I don't know why this stuck out the last time I watched this, but when you see the police cars, it is amazing to me to think that that's what the police cars looked like. Right? That's not like from the fifties. Like that's, <laughs> I remember police cars that looked like that and, but they look so damn old, Yeah, they you do. know, so old fashioned. But that was a regular thing. Yeah. When we were little. Well, the, the police department is just treating Catherine O'Hara. Like she's just this high maintenance woman. They're even nicknamer. Yeah. They nickname her <laughs> hyper on Lyme too. <laughs> yeah. You know, she's just overreacting. The silly. Well, kid she does kind of give Americans a bad name by like ripping the phone out of a French woman's hand. She does. <laughs> right she's very she ugly. American. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She gets off the, off the plane. Yeah. <laughs> because again, like they flew American and she couldn't have gone to like, th- you know, the first thing you do when you get off the plane. Cause apparently the airlines just said, well, we tried. Yeah. Yeah. They just, and let the they, anger drop. They just left, you know, oh, same like, with the policeman in Kevin's town. Cause all he does is bang on the front door. He doesn't like look around no. the property. He's not thorough at all. No. He just bangs on the door and uh now there's nobody here. Stop taking prank calls or whatever he says. See, to if the this station. happened if this happened today yeah, go count your kids again. Six. Yeah. <laughs> if this happened today, there'd be five SWAT vehicles and two helicopters over the house. Oh yeah. Because they would go totally the other direction with and it. And Catherine O'Hara yeah. would already be in custody for oh, having she, left her. Oh yeah. No, she's going to jail. Her and dad are both going to jail. Absolutely. They're losing the kids. Which maybe yep. that was the plot. Maybe they were so fed up with their irritating kids. <laughs> it's like, I mean, if not in this movie, then the second. Yeah. In the they second continually movie. lose yeah. two yeah. strikes and you're out. We're not like, even going to three. Wait, 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 wait. Actually, we did this last year. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's becoming a Christmas tradition, officer. Yeah. Come yeah. on. It's almost like our lives are caught in some horrible nightmare world where every year we we have this you know, this adventure that's probably very entertaining for other people to watch. <laughs> and I just love how dad in this movie he's is cool as a cucumber. Hey, yeah. He's like, yeah, he's fine. You're yeah, like, it's a safe house. What's going to happen? I mean, what's he going to do? Fall down the stairs, the, choke to death. And, you know, and, I mean, at the end when he comes home, he, he's just like, oh yeah, hi Kevin. I'm glad yeah. you're all right. Like he knew it was going to be okay all the, all along. Well, yeah. even like his older bro- brother, Buzz, who has the, uh, the very important tarantula, in the terrarium at the mm-hmm, house who mm-hmm. we haven't mentioned but buzz <laughs> is so horrible to his little brother kevin he's he, in my opinion he's the meanest of all the oh, yeah. he yeah. says my kid's favorite line what's what's that i wouldn't let you sleep in my room if you were growing on my ass <laughs> yeah <laughs> of course that's your children oh my god yeah. yeah they, they live for it. that line that's fantastic because i bet that's you know they're allowed to quote that line because it's <laughs> yeah. your special movie yeah. so but buzz is so mean even when they get to paris the uh, Buzz's sister is oh you aren't worried about Kevin at all because all the kids are super mean to him in the beginning like Kevin mm-hmm. you are such a disease you mm-hmm. what the French call les compétents like they're so mean to him yeah. Yeah. but then the sister at least kind of reverses that role in Paris she's like you are the least bit worried that something might happen to Kevin and Buzz is like well first of all I'm not that lucky 
So no. Second of all, it's he's such a little twerp. He deserves to live in the real world for a few days. It's like, how old are you, Buzz? Like fourteen? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how much time have you spent? Well, in the and real that world? I think is pretty clear evidence that the family itself is just a horrible family. Yeah. You know, it's like a little. This is just a glimpse into the McAllister. Just a little dysfunctional, yeah. You know what? What has their life been like leading up to this? Yeah, no wonder he gets abandoned every Christmas. It's he starved his- for attention. Yeah, yeah. I mean, here uh, he gets back at Buzz because he's climbing the shelves in his room to steal his money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, because he needs food. Like, and he's he's surprisingly self sufficient. He's like, I've got to go to the grocery store. How do I get money? What was Bu- <laughs> what was Buzz's plan with the spider? Was he just going to let the spider die? No, no, he, no, no. He they fed it a load that. of my guts before he left. Yeah, he specifically yeah. says that in the oh, beginning because okay. one of the cousins is like, isn't your spider going to get hungry? And he goes, no, just fed him a load of my guts. He'll be, he should be good for a couple of weeks. So Buzz is a... He's going to be a serial killer. Well, That's where we're headed. Yeah, because Buzz you know. is nicer to his pet tarantula than he is to his little brother. Yeah. And, well, and, yeah, and I doubt he went to the pet store to get the guts. And you don't tend to, like, feed guts directly, I don't think, to animals? I, you I, let I, them... I, in my experience... <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about um, it. I... I the r- relatively few times I've, <laughs> I've fed mouse guts to a pet. Well, that's why know. I think I've, I could never have a pet like a snake or a spider or something no, that's going to kill another no. animal in front of me no. <laughs> like to eat. And I know that's the circle yeah. of life, but I don't want a mm-hmm. pet that's going to I don't want to watch it no. Like, no. regularly. Yeah. No, I yeah. do not. <laughs> well, you just train it to be a vegetarian. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he sets forth in motion, though, by knocking over the tarantula cage. Yep. This, yeah. Yeah. Subplot of There's the tarantula's journey right, yeah. through the setup uh, through the movie because he does put the tarantula <laughs> on Marv's face when uh, the wet bandits break into his house, and that actually happened. Yeah, uh, they really put that spider on Stern's face, but the scream that he emits in uh, the shot is not real because they didn't want to alarm the spider. Oh, while really? Was, uh, yeah, he had to mime screaming because the scream he... to end all screams. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I don't know. The scream to end all screams for me would have been when my foot settled down on that nail on the stairs. Oh my god, I cringe every time I see that. That's the one. Yeah, stepping on the nail is the one that because the spider thing. eh. Yeah, I pretty much cover my eyes every time he goes to step on that nail. Oh yeah, it's awful. But well, and let's talk about the fact that the wet bandits, the amount of physical trauma that they endure in this movie, no human being who is not supernatural could survive <laughs> one paint one paint can to the head i'm sorry you, you, you know you're you're dead oh, you're, no, de- d- you're going to the hospital your brain is scrambled they looked into this uh dr ryan st Clair diagnosed like <laughs> the likely outcome of all the injuries of the wet bandits back in the day saying that uh Basically, just the iron that hit one of them in the face could have caused a blowout fracture, which would have led to serious disfigurement and debilitating double vision if not repaired properly. And the blowtorch, also according to Dr. St. Clair, the skin and the bone tissue on Harry's skull would be so damaged and rotted that his skull bone would be essentially dying and he'd need a transplant. Yeah, that's fun. Like some severe, like they would not have survived this noise at all. It's, well, and and the amazing thing about them is that they're so motivated. Oh yeah, none. You know, <laughs> well, just the attempts to get in the house because they fall down the stairs and crack their heads like forty times, and <laughs> right. they just get more and more angry. Oh, I'm and kill the damn kids! Yeah. And what are they going to steal? What is really in there that's going to that they're going to be able to go and take somewhere and sell? That's going to get them. I know, right? Yeah. Antiques. 
Come yeah, on. I mean, they don't have like, you know, the McAllister gold bar collection down in the basement. They seem know? to be under that impression, though, because when they're casing the street, when they do the that kind of iconic scene where they're sitting there and Joe Pesci's like, OK, this this house is going to light up at 637 p.m. And they all light up at exactly the time he says, because he's done a really thorough job casing the street. But he's like, oh, yeah, stereos, jewelry, like safes. Like he thinks it's like Batman's house. He thinks he's (laughs) right. It's like the richest house in the neighborhood, according to Joe Pesci. So they've got big expectations of this B&E. I love this scene after he accidentally steals a toothbrush from the drugstore because he's so scared of the old man Marley. Is that his name? Old man Marley. Uh, yep. Who lives next door. And the, the whole rumor about old man Marley is because uh, Buzz, the horrible older brother, he said, yeah, old man Marley went ballistic and killed his whole family and half the street with that snow shovel and that big trash can of salt that he has. That's where he puts all the bodies. It turns them into mummies. Yeah. <laughs> it's and just some little kid BS. They so believe him. You know, I love that word though, case. Like when you're casing, you know, casing the joint. Because uh-huh. it's one of those words in the English language that nobody knows where it came from. Do tell. No, I mean, that's it. Nobody knows. Oh, great story. No, nobody knows. <laughs> yeah, like great story, like pe- people use it. They say it all the time. It has no, like, no one can point to, oh, well, this is where that came from. Well, normally one mystery. of us can answer that. Like on one of our previous episodes, we Emperor's New Group, Jason asked if anybody knew the plural of octopus, and I immediately pipe up with octopodies. So I thought you actually had an answer to that. So I was excited, but now I guess I'm just going to have to do some research and find out on my own. No, the, 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 <laughs> only, the only theory... Is that um, because a case is something that you would put a jewel in mm-hmm. or something like that? That casing would mean to like look at it like from all sides to see if there was a way to get in, but they huh. don't know. It's just this thing that appeared in the English language. And maybe you should knows. ask one of your supernatural beings, they can answer that question for you. But, uh, Cece, what were you saying about uh, he's so scared of old man Marley that Kevin runs away from him in the scene after that? Oh, I was just going to say that it's such a. Um, big deal they make over him stealing a toothbrush a that single the cop toothbrush. who's pulling over somebody for speeding has to just give up on that and chase Kevin like chase through the ice skating rink. <laughs> well, the cop doesn't know what Kevin has stolen to be fair, but it's this elaborate set off or set up for that where Kevin's even pestering the little clerk at the store and he's like, is this approved by the American Dental Association? <laughs> because at, uh, the, the first time the wet bandits try to break into Kevin's house, he hides under the bed, and then he really mans up. He's like, you know what? This is my house, and I'm not going to let people scare me. I, it's time for me to be a grown-up. So he's he's like, I took a really good shower and washed everywhere, and I, I'm, I'm clean, and I'm doing my hair with adult shampoo. And then, you know, the classic aftershave where he smacks his cheeks and screams. Yep. He's trying really hard to be a self-sufficient adult. It's all set up for okay, why okay. he goes to get the toothbrush. <laughs> Calm down, you ass. So, you know, he's like, the only thing I don't have is a toothbrush, and I can take care of that today. So, Why does he not have toothbrush? I don't know, Werner Herzog. Is, is family poor? <laughs> they have no toothbrush. My well, theory is that he saw a commercial oh, for toothbrush. For for uh, toothbrushes approved by the American Dental Association, at least four out of five. Had to have yeah. one. <laughs> four out of five dentists <laughs> approved this. But yeah, so it, it's his re- responsible adult task for him to go out and get a toothbrush. But then the irony is that he winds up stealing it. That's yeah. what we. What I want is I want an audio commentary of this movie by <laughs> Werner Herzog. <laughs> yeah, he sees a Maza. She is desperate to find her youngest child. Is he dead? She does not know. Is she in purgatory? <laughs> Has the plane crashed? And we find out that Harry and Marv are both Highlander. 
because they won't mm-hmm. go into a church to right. look for holy ground. They they won't <laughs> go into hallowed ground to go look for their enemies. So yes, they're both Highlander. Well, and, they're like children themselves. Well, <laughs> Harry in particular is because when they're casing one of the other houses on the street, Harry's like, "Hey, you think they've got toys in there?" Yeah, <laughs> and it's like toys? of all the things that you could make money off of, toys are not one of them. Well, it is fairly realistic because in reality, most criminals are pretty stupid. You know, yeah. so <gasps> it, it's Bye, what, we, yeah, we just Bye. lost the criminal not, segment. They're, they're, the people <laughs> who stole phones to listen to this podcast are not listening to us anymore. No, they, no, they're no people in prison listening on butt phones. <laughs> you know, are not. Well, you know, Australia is that's entirely made up of criminals people and that's entirely they, making up your audience. They're so. not made up of criminals. <laughs> All their ancestors were criminals. Oh, oh thanks now. for clearing that up. You're, According yeah, to Wallace Shawn, not yeah. us. <laughs> You're not a criminal. Your mama's a criminal. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the record, I was quoting Princess Bride. I don't yeah. really think that about Australia. They're proud of it. Come on, they love it. <laughs> They're not worried about our smack talk. I think they enjoy it. Oh, but yeah, we see Kevin going completely insane. <laughs> he so has lost creating touch with reality, <laughs> and he I, makes his own. I once thought that this was like, well, I, not when I was a kid, but when Xavier was real little, and I watched this mm-hmm. again after wa- not watching it for like ten years. Sure, I thought. Oh, this is the most ridiculous scene. An eight-year-old could never think this up. But once again, that my child, my second Your son. Your kid could. Yeah. Definitely at eight years old will be creating pulley systems and I don't know, playing I think tricks on, elaborate tricks on people. <laughs> well, and that, to give the listeners some edification, we're at the scene now where Marvin um, uh, Harry are back at the house, once again, casing the mm-hmm. joint. Mm-hmm. And Kevin has created this elaborate ruse of like, Cardboard cutouts of Michael Jordan and dummies that that his family inexplicably inexplicably inex, I can't say the word inexplicably inexplicably yeah whatever judicial 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 system bunch of assholes have inexplicably have bunch of assholes enjoying their Christmas oh yeah the, the family they're Uncle all Frank just is yeah. handing out shrimp cocktail and yeah. yeah. Frank, those are for later. No, he's just handing them out to the kids. Well, you see, because in reality, Kevin is actually Frank's son. <gasps> and you see, he's hoping that this will clear up a little problem for oh. him. So, yeah, this might be, so con- might be convenient theory, for All him, the conspiracy you know? theories. <laughs> I sure hope not. But yeah, so Kevin does inexplicably have all these dummies and cardboard cutouts in his house. And he sets up <laughs> What these are his like, parents into? Yeah, you gotta wonder. She sews. <laughs> They're sewing mannequins. Not one okay? of them. She's like, she's, I don't know. They've yeah. built up to this. There's, there's, uh, there are props in the basement. Small There's appliances. An old sewing <laughs> machine up in the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not that at that kind of basement. We're not at the guest party. This is a totally different experience. But yeah, so Kevin does have these elaborate pulleys and stuff, and he's got, uh, I think the Michael Jordan cutout cut is on a little model train, and it makes him look like he's walking yeah, around the house. Something else is attached to a turntable. It's so elaborate. Yeah. And he's pulling all these strings, and it makes people look like they're playing cards at a table. It's insane. Uh, so that deters the wet bandits for another night and you find out that they are the wet bandits because Marv likes to stuff the sinks and leave the water running Yeah, which Harry has a problem with just not the B&Es that they commit yeah yeah, Yeah, that's going too far criminals have a code man they got a code pirates have a code too (laughs) (laughs) they don't stick to it though why didn't the delivery guy call the cops I don't know when he thinks he's (laughs) being shot at with a semi-automatic weapon yeah (laughs) 
I love how it's Little Nero's because at the time, Little well, Caesar's the, yeah, was yeah. like king of pizza. pizza yeah. Is Little Caesar's still around? Yes. Oh, yeah. It is still around? Yeah, there's yeah, one there's across one the right street to, from my neighborhood. We had, oh. pizza, we had Little Caesar's last time Susie was in the studio. Oh, did we? <laughs> yes, we did. Oh. You know what's so funny is they're actually cheaper now than they are in this movie. Yeah, in because they used to be, they used, there didn't used to be the kind of high quality choice of pizza all over the place like there yeah. is today yeah. so little caesars had us thinking that it was worth a you know 10 bucks instead of the yeah. five or so that you yeah. pay for it now, now. it's five dollars yeah, have you seen that uh, feces pizza has uh, rebranded itself now uh what feces i'm sorry no what are they you guys call it cc's sorry uh, <laughs> <laughs> poor cc <laughs> were you no. waiting to say that like just no. because cc's here no that that that's a running that's that's been a running gag with my friends for many many years gotcha is because well, it's any, the worst pizza well, on earth he doesn't know me well pizza. enough to to you know make jokes about to set up yet. a kind yeah. of elaborate no. plot yeah, like that, was, that. <laughs> that would be pretty elaborate one day i will know someone <laughs> that was kevin McAllister elaborate that's what that yeah was. no yeah. no the joke that i do is the cc rider joke oh right because i always got see a cc rider <laughs> but the song you wait you don't know that no i don't that's I amazing it's your name you know oh, okay well it's like how people always sing that stupid aerosmith jade you're so jaded at me and i'm like yeah that's great and i've never heard that before thanks guys <laughs> yeah uh but uh you mentioned uh running gags in this movie a minute ago cc another one is the fact that the pizza guy continuously runs over the lawn jockey yes, in the front crashes the into the lawn jockey every single time it's not even really a lawn jockey it's just this really large metal statue that they keep in front of their stairs mm -hmm. but uh yeah he smacks into it every single time and you would think that it would damage his car <laughs> it's, it's little so details like that that make this movie fantastic a classic. is that is that wilford brimley <laughs> no no it's not <laughs> it's the not couple in the airport no. no the woman is from something though i recognize her from other things i yeah. would have taken her offer they do no, but I mean, I, I, no begging. As soon as she got to the, you know, two first class tickets, 500 bucks. Yeah, I'm in. Well, maybe that's you know? why they had to, that's where they had to humanize Catherine O'Hara because she left the baby at the house. <laughs> <laughs> She'll do anything to get back to him. And she does have that pitiful moment. Like, yeah. please, a mother to a mother, please. Like, yeah. let me have uh, your plane taste. So I think they try to humanize her a little bit right there. That yeah. right there, him sitting up watching Johnny Carson. When I was a kid, that was like the grown up thing. Yeah. Because it was after you had to go to bed. Yep. You know, when I, when I was a kid, my parents had uh, in their bedroom, they had a TV that was in front of their bed, but it was it was also up high. Mm -hmm. And over their bed was a picture that had a very, you know, it was just normal glass. Right. And it reflected the TV perfectly. And so at night I would sneak out of my room and I would sneak across the hall <laughs> and look at the reflection. And I would watch the reflection <laughs> and watch the, uh, the Tonight Show of Johnny Carson. That's and cute. Uh, a lot of my jokes no a lot, a lot you've never of, made a johnny carson no joke. i mean that's 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 like that. that's where it comes from you know that classic humor yeah oh yeah, yeah i totally see it yeah yeah. Uh, yeah he was the best oh and yet another running gag because kevin just does not seem to understand the cause and effect of aftershave stinging his little eight-year-old but it's so grown up it is I, yeah. and so i think that's what up. he's going for he's sleeking his hair back kind of don Draper-ish, and he's even using spray yeah. deodorant and stuff back when people used aftershave <laughs> by the yeah. way did anyone notice he sleeps in his parents bed mm -hmm. like the, the entire, entire time, time. Yeah. yeah yeah it's As, his little security blanket yeah I think. and then yeah. he's 
looking longingly at a picture of his family, even though well, we should it's prob- part of his character. <laughs> we we should yeah. probably talk about, I guess, the point of the movie, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. which is that he thinks he's gotten his wish. You know, it's be careful what you wish for; you might get it. Right? Yeah. And you know, he he gets this. Oh, great! My family's gone. I'm all by myself. This is exactly yeah. what I wanted. Oh wait, it sucks. You know, and I really want my family back. Well, and there's part of that naive childhood, like perspective where you take for granted how much your parents do for you oh yeah until like even in the beginning the first example of that is kevin's aunt or something says go pack your suitcase and it paralyzes him because Mm -hmm. he's like and and he's trying to like get his brother and sister to help him like i've never packed a suitcase in my life i don't know how to do that and it's just like his everest yeah uh but then his parents are gone he's got to learn how to grocery shop how to he just suddenly knows how to do laundry. Mm-hmm. I wonder how he really successfully pulled that off. Well, there's lots of themes in this movie. You know, one is him discovering that he knows how to do more things than he thinks he does. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, uh, overcoming fears, the furnace, the old guy yes. next door. Mm-hmm. Yes. The, the All criminals. those groceries were less than twenty bucks. <laughs> Back in nineteen ninety. Holy shit! The milk is twenty bucks now. And I, one of the funniest parts of this, when he's at the grocery store, oh wait, I've got a coupon for that. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. so damn cute. And the the lady at the register is like. You know, we're your parents. What are you doing? Like, and back in the nineties, you could pull off this kind of thing. Like, yeah. oh, my mom's out in the car waiting for me. She just sent me in for. Gro-. You could say something like that. People to another were completely yeah. oblivious. Yeah, they didn't notice. We were so busy with the Nirvanas and the Pogs. We didn't have time. He's so quick witted. He's like, you know, I can't tell you where, where I live. Where's your dad? Out of town. Where's your mom? Oh, she's at work. Oh, where do you live? I can't tell you that. Mm. Why? Because you're a stranger. <laughs> that shuts her up real quick. <laughs> I love, I love how he delivered that line when he was—he's so tiny. Wow. He was in his first play, Macaulay Culkin, when he was four years old. So back in the '90s, then you could have a super, super nice house, really beautiful house, very well decorated, but your washer and dryer were crap. Yeah, it's just like it. Hey, I mean, those—that's what they were. Yeah, back then. like people didn't go and get like five thousand dollar washer and dryers. You know, they, no, and that, plus that was, concept hadn't been invented yet. And plus, it was still still somewhat of a new concept. Like you had to be that rich to have the space for a washer and dryer where you lived in a lot of places. Like the laundromats were still a really popular concept know, even in the early 90s. Yeah. I grew up in the country. We had them. Well, you, you know. had to, though. Yeah. But see, yeah. that's out of necessity. Down south, I understand that. But like, if I, you live in an urban environment, which they're, what, in Chicago? Yeah. yeah you had Some to have a big enough house. Ha- Chicago, yeah. Yeah, you had to have, uh, and all of this was actually uh, filmed in Chicago. None mm-hmm. of it happened in Paris. None of that on location in another country. Yeah, it was all to, in Chicago. They used to do, Chicago used to be a place that showed up in movies. A lot in the late 80s, early 90s. You got a lot of Chicago movies. You, I mean, the... Uh, the Griswolds are in Chicago. Yep. You know, there was all, and it's weird. Chicago just sort of fell off the map. Well, they wrote was, Devil in the White City. That got published. And then well, they, yeah. People learned about Chicago. Yeah. But and now some more elaborate ruses. So yeah, they, Kevin scares the pizza guy with the, uh, what was the movie, Cece? The filthy. Angels with filthy souls. Angels with filthy souls. Yeah. And it, like you said, Wait, Jason. Ferris Bueller's in Chicago too. They're all yeah, in four thousand restaurants yeah. in the downtown area. That's right. Yeah, I picked the one my that father goes thing. to. Yeah, they, they're they're definitely in Chicago. But oh, that's I never correlate. But in John Hughes, is the connecting that, rope may, between maybe it? maybe that's maybe it's a John maybe, Hughes. Yeah, thing. maybe it's a John Hughes thing. You just like Chicago. Yeah, um, between Ferris Bueller and uh, Home Alone for sure. But uh, oh, ima- it, imagine how painful whenever he puts the uh, 
whatever the hell it is, the hot thing on the doorknob. Yeah. Which, by the way, what is that Yeah, thing? why do they have that? It's um, a thing you plug in that gets very hot. I think it was on, on like, stuff. Yeah. I think it was on a grill or something that like, he took off. He had heated it. I don't know. I mean, I was thinking, like, is it for starting, like, a fire in your fireplace or... Because it's it looks to me like it comes in a how to burn your house down. It's kit. almost yeah. like an old timey <laughs> you know? bread toaster that they used back in the eighteen sixties, yeah. dumping yeah. out the bread in yeah. the actual hearth like, yeah. to make toast. So I don't really know what they would still be doing with that. But this is such an iconic scene where he is mouthing the words to angels with filthy souls. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's gained yeah. his confidence now that he's doing the same prank on Marv, who <laughs> gets bullied by Harry to go break into the house and. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Like, and pretends to shoot him. Kevin learning the lessons that (laughs) violence is the answer. But (laughs) another little round out, a payoff, uh, is when he steals the firecrackers from his brother Buzz's uh, hurt locker in his room. (laughs) 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 It was that, yeah, he was like, okay, I'm stealing the money. That's cool. I got Buzz's stash. Ooh, firecrackers. I'm going to keep these for later. But then they really pay off for him when Marv is trying to break into the house again and he scares him off thinking that he's being chased by a semi-automatic weapon. And, and nobody, fools him every time. Yeah, no, well, not every time. First it's the pizza guy and then it's Marv. No, I mean, you know, the pizza guy and Marv. That's oh, it, it works like a charm. <laughs> works like a charm. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, it's just... But so, all, you know, but ultimately, ultimately, you talk about payoff. Oh, yeah. The whole movie is setting up the the final sequence well, and, and the payoff. What's great about that is that it's such a long movie for a kid's movie. And there's so much setup that... I, I'm kind of amazed that it's this not movie, really a kid's movie, though. It in a it's, way it, it is because I, I kind of enjoy it more as an adult than yeah. I even did as a kid. Well, see, that's the point of this podcast. <laughs> you discover whether you like it more or less as an adult. I've definitely watched it more as an adult than and not probably not that's just true. because of my kids. That's true. I, I think I my just parents, enjoy it. Yeah, my parents were the one to be like, "Hey, Home Alone, you guys like this?" When I was a kid, and yeah, you know, they I, wanted to watch it. Yeah. Oh, maybe now you know. Oh yeah. my god! Because <laughs> hindsight is horrifying. There you go. That's the name of the show. <laughs> I mean, parents always want to, you know, watch the things that they don't mind watching instead of the other things. Yeah, that they yeah. do mind watching. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's watch Home Alone again, please. Absolutely, that movie has substance and John Candy. Uh, <laughs> but you know the but payoff. You were yeah talking the payoff about Jason. because you do you do get the you know the whole sequence at the end with the wet bandits being tortured and we all know how all that goes. And it's, that really is, you know, I know you can almost breeze through it as enjoyable as it is to maybe sit down with your kids and to watch for our purposes. Yeah. You don't have to watch every second of it right. to remember all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. So correct me if I'm wrong. Is this guy at the airport, the same guy who plays the Santa that Kevin goes to see at the end? I can kind of because see it. I kind of think it every single time, but I've sure. never actually looked it up. They do have a similar look because, uh, yeah, when when Kevin goes to see that, you know, rip the off fake Santa, Santa, yeah, uh, he does like the beard is all off, and it does kind of look like the same guy. I'd but, be interested to know. Yeah, because um, and that's one of Kevin's bigger character arcs is when he does go to see the fake Santa. He 
you see him wishing for his family back. He doesn't want a skateboard. He doesn't want a Nintendo or anything fancy like that. He's like, I really just want my my family back. Mostly my mom and my dad, even my brother and my sister. Hell, even my Uncle Frank. That'll be good. Like, yeah, yeah. if and, you have time. If you, yeah. if you have time. If not, don't worry about it because <laughs> Uncle Frank is a tool. But uh, I did like that they didn't do that typical Santa, oh, oh buzz off, kid. I'm on my sh- I'm off my shift. Leave me alone. I got to be oh, so... Yeah. He was saying, okay, well, Santa's got a party that he's got to get to, but what do you need? And then he's like, hey, um, I think my elf took all of the candy canes home to her boyfriend, but hang on, hang on. He searches his pockets, gives him a couple of Tic Tacs to take home. He's like, everybody who comes to see Santa should get a little something. I love that. I don't know why that mo- that moment <laughs> always stuck with me. But it, not the Tic Tacs, just the fact that he was so nice to him. He wasn't like, buzz off, screw you, well, kid. Most, most kids probably, like you said, ask for material things, and yeah. he just wants yeah. his family back. Aww. You can see his facial expression. I obviously wow. can't make that wish come true. So here's yeah. some here's, here's some mints. <laughs> so you know, Kevin comes full circle, though he does. He's, really, He's the protagonist. Yeah. yeah, he is. And does that make Marley the supernatural antagonist? I, yeah, I don't really know. I, I think it's it's more of a man versus nature thing, almost. Yeah, because there's no um, real direct. Yeah. I mean, I guess. Uh, well, so many things wouldn't have happened if he yeah. didn't have such a bitchy rest- resting face. Yeah. You know, yeah. that old guy. Why does he look at him like that? It turns out to be the sweetest guy ever. Oh, and he's, he's, got, down. he's got the big bloody <laughs> bandaged hand when he comes in and when he does yeah. scare Kevin at Slams the Slams it down. Slams it down on a glass case and it's like, hey, like bleeding calm, through your bandage calm there. Calm down, dude. You know, it's Christmas. And you come to find he's <laughs> he's got his own kind of character arc that Kevin helps him with. Because uh, they talk in the church, and old man Marley's there. The only time he's allowed to see his granddaughter is to watch her at choir practice at church. And he and Kevin talk for a minute, and uh, Kevin's like, why don't you talk to your son anymore? He said, well, we had words a long time ago, and I said I didn't want to see him anymore. And they had a fight, and blah, blah, blah. And Kevin's like, I don't know. I don't know how mad I could ever be that I wouldn't want to talk to my dad. And they just sort of push each other in the right direction at least in that one little moment yeah and that's not you know responsible for kevin's entire story arc but i do feel like it's a big part of it you know ultimately the best thing these parents ever did for kevin was leave him by himself (laughs) well taught him tactical skills that no other eight-year-old possesses yeah like he discovered his own strength and worth and well, even out his fears even right the in this moment that we just saw where kevin's decorating his own little tree I'm like, my dad used to keep the Christmas decorations in a place where only, like, dad could get them. They're up in the attic. You need a ladder. You need, like, well, physical strength Well, he up in the attic, so, you That's know, true. he's familiar with it's it. A, it's an actual room so with stairs so he can get he's up there. He's not afraid of the basement anymore, right. you yeah. know? He's, he's a man. He access to the whole house. <laughs> but he, he's so stealthy because he notices the reflection of the wet bandits staring at him through the mirror in the reflection of an... He's like you, Jason. Mm. He's really into reflections. Yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> kids, of, kids, kids are very observant. They are. But he's decorating his, he's trying to make the house feel like Christmas, despite the fact that his family's not there. And this is one thing that I I get upon subsequent viewing, as you like to point out, Jason, is I always thought it was really funny. There's a meme floating out there on Facebook where it says, Alien versus Kevin McAllister, who would win? And somebody commented, how much prep time does Kevin get? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Exactly. But what kills me is when I I rewatched this movie in preparation for your episode, Cece, I noticed that Kevin wasted a lot of his prep time because he knows that the wet bandits are who they are. And he's like, when those guys come back, I'll be ready. And he's Mm -hmm. got the first, the cardboard cutouts and the dummies and all that stuff at first. But when he knows they're coming back at nine o'clock 
They say that, Mr. Bond, we're coming back at nine o'clock. And he's soul searching, Jay. He is, yeah. but he's wasting so much time. <laughs> like you I have know. to feed the soul. Oh, okay, so he's got to eat chicken soup for the soul before he can really prep his house for the imminent danger. I see. Yes, yes. <laughs> and the inspiration, you know. Inspiration. So who gives him the inspiration, do you think, to, like, Santa or the macaroni and cheese that he buys from the store? Like, the <laughs> I always get so sad when he doesn't get to eat his macaroni and cheese. I did, too. Oh my God. He lights candles. He makes. He puts it on a dinner plate. His I wrote, microwave mac and cheese. I wrote down his little prayer. It's, so it's, sad. It's kind of flippant, but it's still really sweet. Because like you said, he's he's almost got his little altar for his mac and cheese. He says, That's Bless always, us. even as a child, I'm like, but his mac and cheese. He's, he's going to be hungry. He's not, <laughs> he's not prepped for this. But he had his chicken soup for his soul, so I guess exactly. I guess yeah, he'll be yeah, right. Yeah, he fed his soul. <laughs> but he does say uh, he lights his little candles and he crosses himself like a good little Christian. He says, "Bless this highly nutritious microwavable mac and cheese dinner and the people that sold it on sale." <laughs> That's what he says before he eat, before he goes to eat his dinner, and then he doesn't even get to because the wet you know Buzz's life savings only amounted to so much. That's true. So he had to get it on sale. Yeah, because uh, and I guess that proves Jason's theory. Who, uh, hindsighters, Jason had to depart, so it's just me and Cece for the remainder of this episode. We all know you're secretly really happy about that, <laughs> but I, 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 we won't tell if you don't. But uh, yeah, so I guess that kind of proves the point that Jason was trying to make, where it's like, what treasures are really hidden in this house if Kevin has to resort to, you know, breaking into his brother's hurt locker to find cash. Wouldn't his parents, like, maybe have an emergency? Because people kept, I guess, stashes of cash in their houses, like in special cookie jars or drawers or whatever back in the 90s because ATMs weren't as, you know, yeah, ubiquitous well, as they, they were. They packed it all to take to Paris, I guess. Yeah, that's true. They had but, to get their euros um, and stuff. Uh, transfer. They also obviously had tar and feathers. Yeah. For, uh, the <laughs> uh, like you do. Uh, they, they had tar and feathers and... Uh, Every Christmas ornament in the universe that Marv could break his feet on. Uh, so what other crazy, like that sort a of blow cattle, torch. a blowtorch, that crazy cattle prod thing that he puts on the front cattle door handle. Prod is totally what, like whatever a it prod. is, like, or brand, a branding prod or whatever, because <laughs> it's not a cattle prod. It doesn't shock, but he heats it up and puts it on the door handle. And that's just, that's just classic, um. Uh, Lack of education on uh, Harry's part. He doesn't feel that door handle like you should in a fire. Oh, but wait, there's no fire. So, yeah, he just grabs the door handle and burns the hell out of his palm. I mean, he planned this out. He drew a map of the house. Yeah, it says battle plan on it. Yep. Yep. And um, a total breakdown of every single point of ingress. Like, like it just icing the steps. Uh, setting up the light bulb with the iron, the nail in the uh, board, nail on the, in the board on the stairs with tar. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, th- that's and that's what kills me. I know I already said it, but like after I fell four or five times just trying to break into a house, I'd be like, "This is no longer worth the effort. I'm out." <laughs> like, yes. I, I know but that you tar- have brains. Oh, because yeah. I'm not one of those Australian criminals. Got it. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Australia. We love that you love us teasing you. But uh, we do come to a pretty important moment here. Because like I said, Kevin does have his battle plan and everything, but he's got time to visit Santa. He's got time to go to church for a little while. And it's kind of sweet that he seeks solace in church, uh, considering it's not time for a service or anything. He just goes there. Which is kind of unusual for a little boy. Like, you wouldn't really expect a little kid to just wander into a church and be like, oh, yes, this is where I find my solace. I um, 
I we and my family refer to this character, Old Man Marley, as mm-hmm. Father Christmas. Okay. So you're kind of in Jason's camp where he's he's a bit of a supernatural he being is. figure. I've, he is. I've never really thought about it like that. But huh. <laughs> he is a kind of Father Christmas, creepy Father Christmas. Well, and he does have the white beard and type character. Yeah. But in the end, it turns out to be a wise old man who's also in need of some help and a friend on Christmas, just like Kevin and, is. And he does save the day. Like, Kevin is about to be physically tortured by two grown men before old man Marley comes along and smacks the hell out of him with his snow shovel. You could also say that Kevin saves him. Yes. They, by putting the notion in his mind that he should just call his son, his estranged out. son, that he wishes he could see on Christmas yep. and make simplifies it for him. Hey, I used to be afraid of the basement. Conquered I'm not that anymore. Fear. Not anymore. Maybe you should, and it was so wise. He goes, just call your kid, because all I had to do to get over my fear of the uh, furnace was turn on the light. At least when you call your kid, even if he doesn't want to talk to you, at least you know. So it's just, he has a very mature conversation with Old Man Christmas. I, yeah. I like Old Man Christmas better than, or <laughs> <Old laughs> Father. I'm going to blend old them together. Christmas. He's Old Man Christmas. I like it. <laughs> We're going to run with that. But, but he, he says something so um, touching here. The old old man Christmas, mm. where he says, um, Kevin says, aren't you a little old to be afraid? And he says, uh, you know, you can be old for a lot of things, uh-huh. but you're never too old to be afraid. Yep. Makes you think. It does. And we've had this conversation on previous uh, episodes, actually, where I, I can't remember which one, but it was talking about conquering your fear. And honestly, human beings don't ever really conquer fear. They just learn how to grapple with it because fear is a primary reaction or a primal reaction, excuse me, where if you're afraid of heights, oh yeah, that's because you know if you jump off this cliff, you will die. Like, Oh yeah, it's it's based on real instinct, you know, instinct to keep yourself safe, for right. sure. Because we used to live in a world where there was imminent danger all around us. There were lions and uh, disease and hell, even weather used to be able to kill us pretty damn easily. And we had to react to those things on a visceral level. But nowadays that we're more complacent and we live inside and we work inside, we, we have stress and we have like, you know, just anxiety because we're built to react to the dangers around us, but they're not there anymore. So we in the same fashion, at least. Consciously, you know, tell ourselves, attempt to, you know, wrap our mind around the fact that this isn't really something so important that we can get this stressed out over. Right. Have this kind of reaction over. Exactly. Because uh, I, I read something that took me by surprise because it was from Facebook of all places. It was a meme that says, anxiety is really just conspiracy theories that you have about yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I had to take pause for a second. I was like, wait a minute. That's just, it's so true. But Mind blown. We just make up these reasons to stress because our, our brains kind of need it, but they don't. It's part of our, you know, our It's part of makeup. our genetic makeup. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so Kevin is kind of overcoming his own fear right here. All that anxiety and stress because every time he sees old man Christmas, he freezes he, flight is always his reaction. He has to get the hell away from old man Christmas because, and you know, as an eight year old, but that you kind of have to suspend your disbelief with this story a bit, not just because Kevin's so self-sufficient and so intelligent, but because he's also so naive as to think, Oh yeah, the man who's kindly salting the sidewalks in my neighborhood supposedly for free. Yeah. He's obviously carrying around murdered bodies. Yeah, like yeah, he just believes dead bodies that. In there. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> believes it with that little kid, you know, gusto that just makes him so afraid of a human being that he's never had a conversation with. Yeah. But um, 
this part and then the he hears the bell chime and he knows he only has the wet bandits are however many hours left to prepare his house for the wet bandits to arrive so maybe he is so hyper organized that he realized he didn't need all this extra time he had time to soul search that's how because when you have a plan that's half the battle <laughs> he's like all right it'll he take me 30 minutes the to plan. slip down yeah. the stairs like he it, has the whole breakdown yeah he does okay yeah maybe he already a, maybe he already uh set up part of it we don't know yeah he's gonna be like a major general or something <laughs> when he grows up it's so crazy because he is so hyper organized and um a big part of this, because um, we are closing in on our time, hindsighters, uh, but we are getting to the obviously the most exciting part of the movie. However, it does take a little more than an hour to really roll around to the action. This movie, I I do kind of have to agree with Jason in the sense that it's not necessarily just a kid's movie. You see this sincere character arc and character development. It's it's pretty substantial, and it that is part of what makes it a great Christmas movie. But we are getting to the exciting part where he's putting on his little toy trucks and he's setting, setting all of up his, his micro machines. Yep. yep. Oh yeah. His micro machines that got him in trouble at the beginning of the movie. Cause his dad was like, Oh, those are sitting everywhere. You got to go clean them up, Kevin. And, uh, Oh, and the, you he's keep... right. It was sitting on a grill that. Yeah. No, on. I said that. Yeah. The, yeah. It, the cattle brander, <laughs> whatever you want <laughs> the, the McAllister brand <laughs> where they went yeah. out and branded their Chicago cattle. But oof, that nail, I could never get over it. Oh, and there's the, uh, iconic treehouse. Did you know that treehouse was not actually uh, part of the property? They had to build it for the movie. Really? Yep. And they tore it down once they were done using it. Um, and they donated all the fake snow in the movie to a local theater because uh, it's made out of plastic. So it never, you know, really goes bad. Um, so the theater's actually been using it for productions for years and years. I can't recall the name of the theater company, but. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Exactly. <laughs> Hey, hey, this production was green, if nothing else. And you see the little tarantula just crawling around in yep. different parts of the movie. The subplot of the tarantula. Yep. Oh, and, and here's his little microwave mac and cheese <laughs> that he doesn't now even that get to is eat. that is a house. It is. It's like a damn That's mansion. Like three times the size of my house. Yeah. It, well, even when he was like the third floor and it's fully built out. It's not like the rest of the house, but it is. Like I said, it is a bedroom. It's not like she put him up, you know in a dungeness kind of attic. Like it, it's not a, you know, a torture room or anything. It's a nice room, but the bandits are here and we can, we can kind of gloss over a lot of this, like uh, with the action. Cause we all know Marv and well, the wet bandits get smacked with paint cans. They step on the nail. Uh, Marv does step on the ornaments that Kevin puts inside one of the windowsills. Do you know that those ornaments were made out of candy? Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, the actor, uh, Stern, he still wore like rubber bottoms on his feet so that he wouldn't get stuff stuck in the pads of his feet. But yeah, those weren't actual ornaments. They made them out of candy. Wow, that's hilarious. Because it, it makes me cringe every single time. Yeah. And when despite you see the light bulb explode under his oh, foot. Oh, yes, the spark. Oh, that always gets me because that would hurt too. That's like a double a double bust because you bust the ornament itself and then you bust the light bulb inside yeah, the ornament. Exactly. Yeah, God. The things that stick with you when you see them. But I love that Kevin, personally, I love that Kevin was mindful enough to blow out the candles on his mother's table, yet he's got a, a, a hot iron brand on his front door <laughs> handle. <laughs> Safety first. Absolutely. I love um, this part um, where he stands at the door and, and holding his BB gun says, mm -hmm. this is it. Don't get scared now. Oh. Xavier... Says that along with him every single time we watch this oh, movie. Oh, I can so see that. 
Oh, we just won't tell him how cute he is. I know we're not allowed to call him cute anymore. Well, he might listen to this, so. That that is so hard. (laughs) I'll cut it out. And, uh, oh, man, Xavier just has no idea how hardcore he is. That's really cool. But um, that's (laughs) Here comes his uh, clever swearing. The friggin' fridge. The fridge. Friggin' frigidity. Friggin' frigidity. (laughs) Well, because what would you be saying if you got shot in the crotch with a BB? (laughs) Especially from such close range. Yeah, it wouldn't be that. (laughs) Well, and this, this too, is a callback to Uncle Buck. Uh, Oh, and Marv gets shot point blank in the face with BBs. That sucks. But this is a callback to Uncle Buck as well because... Uh, at one point, Macaulay Culkin's little precocious character is conducting like a babysitter interview through the mail slot in Uncle Buck when uh, in this movie in Home Alone, he's shooting people through the doggy door. And <laughs> I, I love that they have a doggy door, but there's no dog. Yeah, that's I never thought about that. I didn't think about that until today when I rewatched. It. I was like, where's the dog? He would have come in handy at, very, at the very least if they had one. <laughs> Um, oh, that's no, no, probably no. Probably another you know what? sad story. No, no, no. That's actually the beginning because uh, when the mom's on the phone, when Kevin's pestering her, she mentions that they're putting the dog in the kennel. Really? Yeah. I Okay. Yeah. I'm peeling an onion in my own mind right now. But <laughs> <laughs> I always just pay attention to what a bratty's being. Yeah. I used to too. But then this morning, I, I just remembered my dad hated it when I would interrupt him on the phone when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. So I was really. I honing, hate it. I imagine. But my kids don't listen just like Kevin doesn't. So. <laughs> <laughs> the mom's still having her conversation. She's like, oh, no, we're boarding him at the kennel. And he, he, she's not talking about Kevin. She's talking about the dog. <laughs> so, but we do get to most of the action here. And then we end up having a very wholesome ending. Uh, the grownups and the cavalry arrive just in time to have missed all the action. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here he ices the steps. Yeah, and once again, he falls about 70 times before he ever gets inside the house. You know, it's funny, the part where he uh, goes to the treehouse to try to uh, escape them Mm -hmm. and gets them to follow him on the rope. rope. As opposed to climbing down and just walking across the lawn. He's like, I'm going to call the cops. And they're like, from a treehouse, right. And he does, because the phones are suddenly live again. Something that doesn't, uh, you know translate to this time because he totally could call them from the treehouse now yeah he could if he had his own cell phone yeah <laughs> which these days eight-year-olds do oh and the dreaded part oh the iron in the face we get that that's ugh. yeah fractured skull right there he <laughs> he wouldn't be getting up after that and then he still does i i do love that it lands flat on his face it was hot enough to actually burn his face in the split second that it was preheated the iron yeah this kid has thought of everything i'm telling you the most hyper organized eight-year-old in Uh, all the time and space and these parents just completely ignored it (laughs) they were just wasting his skill set so annoyed with this kid stick him in the attic (laughs) yeah you're too smart for your own good you're annoying us get out of here Oh, and I never really paid attention to this as a kid. When Harry goes to grab the door handle, you can see that it's red hot. Oh, yeah. I never paid attention to that for some reason when I was a kid. Yeah, you can see it coming, but he doesn't. No, of course not. He's Well, he's blinded by anger. He's fallen and hit his head several times, and he's about to get blowtorched in the head. So, oh, <laughs> Harry just gets burnt extra crispy in this sense. And I love that Kevin's got this advantage where he's he knows where all of his traps are. So he's going to admire his own handiwork. You got you got to love that. that he's, he's waiting to watch it happen every time. Exactly. And uh, Marv, I don't think you're getting up those stairs covered in tar, buddy. It seems like you've lost your shoes and your socks. So maybe this isn't the best way. Oh, oh God, there the it nails. is. 
That's terrible. He steps on a nail and literally once again falls down another flight of stairs. So I, I at a certain point, because I remember when I was a little kid, I, I would try to complete a task. And if I tried it like this way seven times, my dad would be like, all right, time to take a step back and figure out if this is worth the effort or if there's a better way you could be doing it. And that's how I feel about the web bandits. It's just like, guys, that you've already robbed like seven other houses on the block. Cause, and that's something I thought about too, as an adult, all the other houses are already robbed. The The rest of the family is going to have a worse Christmas than the McAllister McAllister's, despite the fact that they left their kid at home because they're all robbed over Christmas. It's horrible. But this was like the ultimate. They were set on doing this and they just won't give up. Yeah. This was the crown jewel, I guess of the, of the street. So yeah. And his, his foot isn't bleeding or the tar packed it shut where he's not yeah. bleeding out of his foot. Who knows? He's the uh, Maybe the thieves are the supernatural beings. Jason was wrong the entire That's time. It. It's not old man Christmas. That's it's it. the wet bandits <laughs> because they're invincible. But ultimately he has this plan to lead them into the house across the street. Yes. Which that has he, already been robbed. Which he doesn't realize though is also flooding. Because? Because Marv left the sinks on earlier and clogged them up. Uh so but he very intelligently calls the cops. He has a plan for everything and leads them to that house where he plans on leading the criminals. Yes. This kid has thought through every little detail and it's just so impressive. But so that's why as a kid, I genuinely at this part that we're getting to right now where um, they they do catch up with him. The bandits do find Kevin and they corner him and poor little Kevin, they hang him up on a little hanger and. I would be genuinely scared too. If some, oh yeah! If a grown man sitting there, like, yeah, I'm gonna gnaw off every single one of your fingers. This is God. Then, that's just so so crazy scary. <laughs> but then, supernatural old man Christmas, yes, comes to the rescue. <laughs> the ultimate supernatural shovel. being. With his shovel that he used to kill, used to kill his entire family. Yeah, it's the zombie <laughs> shovel because uh, that's where all the. Um, all the bodies were, it's been zombified with all the zombie salt in his salt can. I don't know. I'm not as good at the conspiracy theories as Jason is. <laughs> yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. But yeah, he does come along and you don't really know, like they never give a sort of payoff moment where maybe Old Man Christmas knew that something was wrong with Kevin. Uh, because as far as you know, Old Man Christmas has no idea that Kevin's home alone. No. Like, no, that, yeah, but he just magically just kind of shows up. So maybe, yeah, the supernatural I being that, thing. I, I mean, I think that him showing up at church all by himself on Christmas Eve may have given him an inkling. Oh, no, to see, keep you're a mom, eye. so yeah, he I, lives I wouldn't next have thought door. That's that's true. He does live next door. Like, what is this kid doing by himself in a church on Christmas Eve? So yeah, that's a good point. And so maybe he was he's looking after Kevin, and he's. He's seen him get spooked by his mere presence a couple of times. And like, okay, there's something a little off. Sees about him run kid. across the street. What's he doing? Yeah. Sees two uh, half burned, shoeless, <laughs> extra crispy uh, <laughs> criminals, <laughs> bloody feathered <laughs> criminals running around. <laughs> a bit of an odd situation, Scoob. Maybe we should check it out. Yeah. So it ultimately, the movie does have a very. Nice ending. Oh, and I forgot about the payoff, too. I wrote in my notes how Joe Pesci loses that gold tooth that glints at everybody throughout yep, the entire yep. movie. The I reason never, Kevin recognizes him. Yep, never picked up on that as a kid. I, I understood the part where he uh, recognized the wet bandits because he's like, oh, that's the, the cop guy with the tooth. But when Joe Pesci loses the tooth at the end, I was like, oh, full circle. Just yep, little yep. things I didn't pick up on as a kid. 
Oh, but no, Kevin actually, he calls from his own house uh, telling them, oh, the robbery's actually at the other house, like you said, yeah, with the neighbors, yeah. but the phone lines are back up. So that's the good news is that that happened just in time for him to tell the police, hey, come and get me. The phones have been com- conveniently cut off for the last week and a half, but we're good now. Of course, <laughs> Jade, of course. It all lines yeah. up. I'm sure he checked and there was a dial tone. Lucky him. Hey, oh, right, when dial tones <laughs> Dial tones, thing. right? God, I'd forgotten about those for a second. <laughs> well, I still get disturbed because a, a dial tone is almost a comforting sound for me when I pick up a phone. And when I have a cell phone now, if the cell phone takes a second to start ringing... I, I feel like a crotchety old person. I'm like, you wait, hope for a is, dial it, tone is this connecting? Like, what? why isn't it ringing? Like, I don't know. Do you hope for a busy signal? Any kind of noise that indicates <laughs> that I'm actually connected to something with a cell phone, that's just not always a guarantee. Especially when people put you on hold now and they don't have hold music. You're yeah. like, wait, then this could like, mean... What's happening? Am I dropping the call? Like, what? <laughs> this is 2019. You should it's have so an scary. indicator. <laughs> so scary. That's our... There's our new... Uh, <laughs> our Fright Night movie that we should write together. The scariness of technology these days. When you were born before cell phones and the internet. God. Mm, call it call waiting. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Next Halloween, hindsighters <laughs> tune in. But this is Christmas. So um, circling back to the fact that this is uh, one of our... Christmas episodes, and this is one of your favorite, you said, all time. So um, I, I know you said this is one of yours and your kids' favorite to quote all year round. So uh, I'm glad that we got to hang out with you for one of your feel-good movies. Uh, but we have to get to, obviously, the most important part of this podcast, which is where we rate Home Alone on the scale of Alf to Seinfeld. Remind me again of, of the course. Alf to Seinfeld. So Alf to Seinfeld, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 very technical and complicated. Yes, so I'm yes. happy to explain it, no problem. But uh, <laughs> it's understand. our trademarked professional scale. But the way that it works, uh, for those of you hindsighters as well who are not familiar, is uh, it's an opposite end of the spec. It, it's a flipped spectrum. So when you're a kid, Alf is so funny and so hilarious and substantial and you think he's just the greatest. Right. Then you rewatch Alf as an adult and you're like, this is a dumpster fire of a television show. <laughs> and of course you found it funny when you were a kid because it's a puppet right. and he eats cats and like it, it wasn't anything serious. So that's why Alf is on the bottom of the spectrum. Right. He's the zero. Now on the top of the spectrum is Seinfeld. And the reason why it wound up on the top is because as a kid, if you sat through an episode of Seinfeld... It's kind of like your mom running into her best friend Janice at the grocery store and they talk for 40,000 minutes and you've got nothing to do and you're a bored little eight-year-old and you're like, I want to die. This is so boring. But then when you grow up and watch Seinfeld, it's so brilliant. They've got such great substance to the program and it's so hilarious and you love it as an adult. Mm -hmm. So where and and the way that it's a bit of an on scale in the sense that if this movie holds up perfectly well just the way it used to for you, that means it gets a perfect five. But if it got worse, below five, if it got better, above five. So where right. do you think that this belongs? Home Alone Well, I think belongs. it definitely got better. Um, okay. However, I think I uh, mentioned in, a pre- in the previous episode that I was on that I enjoyed Seinfeld as a child. So oh, well, you're a little weird. You're messing me. up our very scientific scale. <laughs> but uh, now because now I remember. But um, it leans toward uh, getting better as I've gotten older. Okay, so if where it was a I saw it of... on a surface level as a kid, and it was highly entertaining. Yes. But as an adult, I see all the deeper meanings Nuances, yeah. behind the movie. So, um, I'm gonna say seven point five. Ooh, that is a good healthy score. Yeah. Now, for me, I would honestly, 
I'm going to tie with you on that one because for the same reason, when I was a kid, I love that there's this little smart-ass kid that gets away with all these crazy pranks and, yeah, I get the house to myself, and you get it at face value, like you said. Mm-hmm. And But then you don't really appreciate his character arc. You might be substantial enough to be like, oh, yeah, I, I, I would miss my mom and dad. Like, yeah. But you don't really think about it too hard, like not into too much detail anyway. I mean, at the end, there's a white Christmas and not even the sight of the snow. Like, he's looking for his mom, and right. not even that excites him. He wants his mom. It's Christmas you know? morning. Family and is the important part. Oh, yeah, it is. So you really appreciate the fact that that's what, that's what Christmas is all about, is family. Not yep. packages or boxes, Grinch. Oh, wait, wrong movie. <laughs> Sorry, backpedaling. But, yeah, so... On that particular note, uh, Cece, I have to thank you for joining us again. Uh, sorry that Jason couldn't finish out the episode with us. Not that we missed him. But um, thank you once again for joining us in the studio. If you'd like to say goodbye to the listeners. Of course. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. We look forward to having you back many times in the studio again. Hindsighters, once again, as always, you can reach us on the social mediums uh, at Hindsight is Horrifying on Instagram or Hindsight Horror on Twitter and Facebook, despite the fact that uh, no one believes in Twitter anymore. Uh, it's okay. Dark Jader's still there. She'll listen if you're saying something. So feel free to tune in uh, to our the remainder of our holiday episodes that we've got coming at you. As always, thank you for spending your drive time, your listening time, any time that you shouldn't have been spending with us especially. That's the time we appreciate most. Thank you once again. As always, this is Hindsight and Good Night.